You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at huntworthgear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic look-back, and leaf-off imagery all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley. We've got our other host, Mr. Pierce Nellis on the line. Pierce, how you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to I'm glad to get on here early in the morning on a Me cold, too. on a colder morning and share a cup of coffee. Like this just yes. feels right. Like I've got a hoodie on, you've got a sweatshirt on. We both got some coffee rocking. It just feels right. It really does. It really does. I forgot to even text you yesterday, man. I'm looking out the window and I've got like two and a half, maybe three inches of snow out there. What? Do you yeah. really? <clears throat> yes, sir. Dude. Saturday that... night brought the heat. The real deal going on. Yep. It it feels, it may as well be the dead of winter at this point. No but... kidding. <clears throat> It's 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 comfortable though, you know. It's it, we haven't dove too deep into like the teens yet or anything like that, so you're not okay. like totally freezing. It's like just enough snow to cover everything, but not so much that it's a pain to like trudge through or a shovel or anything right. like that. Like I'm I'm a okay with this. Yeah, that's like the perfect amount of snow. Yeah, you know, before it's absolutely before it's getting up to your shins and it's just miserable. 
<laughs> right? Like you missed the shoveling, dude. Not one. Okay, <laughs> I miss the first snow of the year. Mm-hmm. I miss the first like, oh, let's break out the snow shovels and let's shovel as a family and let's go sledding and like, yeah, I miss some of that stuff, but for the most part. Uh, I do not miss getting up at 5.30 to go shovel my driveway just so I can get out in the morning. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, you know what I really don't miss? I don't miss shoveling my driveway and then the plow coming. And because the way our driveway used to sit, I may have talked about this on the show before. Because the way our driveway like went down at a normal angle and then just kind of plunged down to the street Mm -hmm. and the street came over and where the curb is kind of plunges down too. And it would create like a three and a half foot mound at the end because <laughs> everything from our street, like from the direction that they were pushing, everything from the street just filled in this giant hole at the end of my driveway. And it would literally be waist deep on me. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, like had a big snowblower, snowblower can't get through it kind of thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. Miserable. You so, let that stuff sit there for a minute and harden up and oh, all dude, that. It's the worst. It's the worst. And like I had instances where there was one day that I shoveled the whole driveway. I get done. I turn around. My wife's standing. She had just opened the front door and was like looking at me. You know that like admiring like, oh, yeah, you did a good job. And I'm like, whoo, glad that's done. And literally the plow comes behind me as I'm looking away and just dumps oh, this no. mountain into the into the, the bottom <laughs> of my driveway. And she just died laughing. And I just... <laughs> I literally almost just fell over and died. Like, like no laughing at all. Just upset. <laughs> um, so that was that was awful. But another thing I don't miss is going out at 5.30 in the morning, shoveling everything, going in, taking a shower, getting the kids ready, getting dressed for work, blah, blah, blah. Go to walk out the door. Oh, wait, there's another two inches of snow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to shovel it because I got to go. But I am going to drive over it. So that this afternoon when I get home, it's friggin' frozen to the concrete and I have to pull out the scraper and scrape it off instead of, you know, just shoveling it like a normal human being. Uh, so no, man, I, I miss You're a lot about, I, yeah, I miss a lot about Wisconsin, but shoveling snow is not one of them. That was like a 10 minute rant on shoveling snow. But um, anyway, no, you know what I did this morning? I went outside with my wife and we went for a walk. Uh, after I dropped the kids off at school because we're both working at home today, which, you know, we obviously didn't do much of in Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. Both working from home. Uh, both have a lot of appointments, so we were like, hey, we're gonna, we're not going to get to connect. Like, let's connect this morning, go for a walk. 39 degrees, a little bit chilly, not too bad. It's probably 42, 43 when we were out there. I had a hoodie and some light sweatpants on, you know. And, uh, yeah, man, just rocked it around the block a couple times. It was great. My God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that does sound great. Dude, I, that, I'm, that absolutely sounds great. I'm man. not going to lie to you. If you like winter or if you like cool weather, but you don't necessarily like, you know, like snow, real cold temperatures, but you want mm-hmm. like the feel, like the all the leaves are off the trees and, it, you know, it looks like a change of seasons without yeah. the snow, the climate where we're at, dude, it's unbeatable. Man. Un- unbeatable. So do you got? Let me ask you this then: you, you get out of shoveling snow. Do you have to mow the lawn year round then, though? Dude, we've got—I don't know what kind of grass it is, but even in the heat of summer, we we mow it once every week and a half to two weeks. Okay. Um, I haven't mowed since probably September. Let's just say before the rut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely before the rut. Um, but I—I I don't. I haven't mowed since September, October, <clears throat> and. I won't mow again until May, probably. April. Sure. So, man. no, we still don't, we don't have That's to. That's pretty nice. It is. So, like, further south, man, when I was in Louisiana, we mowed year-round, mm-hmm. like, nonstop. During the, during the summer, we would literally mow sometimes twice a week. Jeez. Because if you, if you got to, like, if you let it go all the way one week to the next, you're, you know, a lot of it's knee-high. You're bogging down the, the mower at that point. Are you kidding me? Knee no, high? No, like not all of it, but like the the taller, you There's know, those, the taller ones with the uh with the little black seeds on the stems that kind of come up yeah. and V off like that with the little black seeds. Like those would yeah. be knee high easy by you know, sat by the following Saturday if you mow on a Saturday morning. No kidding. Yeah, 
It will definitely be bogging down your mower bad, like sure. real bad. Um, but that's Baton Rouge for you. You know, it was just, yeah, it's just how it was, man. All of the grass, the more snakes you got to worry about too. So I'm, Dude. count me out of that one. Yeah, <laughs> man, it was, it was, that was a wild place. So like we had a friend who was a, um, who was a, uh, a mail delivery guy. And he would often just send us pictures and be like, Hey, look at this gator in somebody's front yard. Jeez. Like, why is that there? Nobody knows. Is there water around? Nope. <laughs> just, just hanging out. Yeah, just there. Like, oh. Looking for puppies. Yeah, cool, man. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Pierce, Jeez. man, we are, um, we're, we're sitting here post gun season, mm-hmm. right? Sunset on gun season yesterday. Yeah. We got some guys out there with the muzzle loaders chasing things around. This, I feel like, is the official start of late season. I feel like you can't call it late season until after gun season. Um, Muzzleloader may be a little early. You know, that first few days of December, I feel like if you're in a place, Mm -hmm. you got a lot of does maybe. Um, You know, maybe you still have a target buck that you're after. You could still probably see some rutting activity. Maybe you've got some fawns coming in over this next week or so. Uh, you could still see some bucks nose and does around that kind of thing. Um, you're not going to see what we saw, you know, second week of November. You're you're, you're not going right. to see your, your midday cruisers probably. You're not going to see your hard chasing that kind of thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. But we're right on the cusp of late season, so I think right. that's what we're talking about today. Is that right? Are we we chatting late season? Yes, sir. We are chatting late season. I figured. Um, <clears throat> Partially, this is a a selfish um, pursuit of mine to uh, get as much of your thoughts and opinions on what I ought to be doing here for the rest of the year um, in terms of trying to fill that archery tag. But I know I'm not the only one who's still sitting on an archery tag. Um, Hopefully, folks who are listening to this, you still got a day or two around the holiday stuff that you can maybe slip out in the woods here and see about uh sending an arrow a frost covered arrow um <laughs> uh at that big buck that's maybe still walking around in your property so yeah i really just wanted to get your opinion here and get some of your thoughts on all right gun season's over these deer have been run ragged for the last month month and a half right um you know throughout their running process and throughout just you know being hunted like crazy um i mean depending on where you're at but yeah, I, I really I wanted to to get your thoughts. You know, first and foremost on what uh, so it's I mean it's November twenty eighth. What are the deer doing now? In your opinion, are yeah. they in recovery mode? Are they trying to establish sort of a, a pattern for winter? Um, yeah, still rutting because we're kind of at the tail end of that bell curve still. So what, what are you thinking there? Yeah, so I'll preface all of this by saying I'm not a late season expert. I like growing up, we didn't get a late season. Our mm-hmm. rut, we closed the season as our deer were in like the full swing of the rut, you know. So growing up, our season ended January thirty first. Sure. They extended our season. Now, our best day of hunting over the last several years has been February fourth, right? Like that's when we see the running activity. So before we were missing the rut, like our right. our season would close before we ever got to the real heart of the rut. Um. So we didn't get like this late season kind of thing. Uh, we were always building up to the rut beginning in October, right? We're always working our way there. Um, so that to say, I have worked really hard the last couple of years to understand late season. As we moved to areas that did not have, you know, a January, February rut, I started working really hard, started talking to a lot of people saying, okay, how do we get to um, – how do I figure out what these deer are doing? And this is the best I can understand it in Wisconsin. Number one, the deer is, it, it depends a lot on the property, but there is some recovery time. It feels like after gun season, like it feels like after gun season, if you're on a property that's, you know, hammered hard opening weekend and then that's it. Okay. Whatever. The deer got pushed around. They may be in some thicker cover. Not a big deal. But if you're on a property that got hunted hard for that nine days, you know, you've got a committed deer camp, you know, like we, we were there all week, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Those deer, it seems like, are going to take a few days to recover afterwards. 
it seems like they're in shock right now. Like that's what it feels like they're doing is they're hunkered down, they're recovering. And honestly, for me, it always seemed like my cameras were just dead for the, for those couple of days. Um, you know, right after the gun season, Mm -hmm. once things kind of begin to settle out, you know, three, four, five, six days, even after gun season closes down, here's what I think I've seen. I have seen number one, uh, the deer are hanging closer to higher stem count cover. And that's for a couple of reasons we can go into here in a second. Number two, they are f- typically, from what I noticed, flooding to a specific ag field in the area. It doesn't matter if you have six or seven cornfields that look good around you. You'll go driving around, which I always did a lot of, and it's like, okay, none in this field, none in this field, none in this field. There's 60 in this field. Okay, yeah. why? I don't know. Next week, they'll be in the next one down the road. Why weren't they there two weeks ago? I don't know. They just weren't, you know? So it seems, I, I don't know if that's a herd mentality that's starting to kick in a little bit. They're like, oh, crap. You know, we got to figure out where the food is. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they're hitting the best field first, maybe the one with the easiest food first, whatever. Um, so they're going to be doing some of that. I have also seen quite a bit of uh, bucks hitting food sources in the evenings kind of early and nosing does around, you know, yeah. they're just, and it's weird. It's almost, they're just out there harassing them. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not even like they're like running hard. They're just, they're like being a pesky younger brother, just like walking mm-hmm. over and poking everything with their nose and then walking away. Um, and so it, it seems like those are some kind of key things right now. A little bit of recovery mode, moving to high stem count cover, um, and then really seeming to gather up in specific ag fields. And so that informs how I begin to approach the late season, if I'm going to be hunting late sure. season. Sure. So with that high stem count stuff, do you think that's um, more of a, a thermal cover type of thing? Do you think it's more of a, I just want to be hunkered down where bullets hopefully can't get me and I can escape the orange army until I'm feeling secure that everybody is out of the woods like they were uh run like they were uh the year or the week prior um I, I think it's a couple of different things number one i do think the pressure has got them pushed in there mm-hmm. um number two we've had a couple of good hard frosts at this point and yeah. the cover has significantly changed like even from november 5th to december 5th the cover change in the woods is unreal like, right. if there were leaves up, they're gone. If there was grass mm-hmm. standing, you get a couple good snows, it's gone. Um, and so they're retreating for the cover aspect. Number two, I think they're retreating for the food aspect too. Because if they want, mm-hmm. you know, good solid food sources during the day, they're going to be hitting some of that younger regeneration um, of what I'm thinking of in this like really high stem count, kind of brushy, stemmy kind of stuff. Um, sure. This is the time of year, man, when I love to be around red osier dogwood. Like if you are in a marsh kind of setting or a wetland setting, red osier dogwood is prime cover and it's prime food. It's it's good food a lot. It's good browse. But this time of year seems to be when they're really going to hit it because all the little buds, all the little stimmy stuff at the end, that's going to, you know, make up a decent amount of their diet. And I think they're in that stuff because that's a daytime food source. They're not having sure. to put themselves out there in the ag fields, um, you know, as much in daylight. I see, and I don't know about you on this, I see almost no activity in ag fields in the morning for, for good bucks. Yeah. You see see a couple Never. of those, whatever, not a big deal. It's in the evenings. It's almost always yep. an evening game when I see large concentrations of deer. And when I see good bucks this time of year, it's almost always with a large concentration of deer. And that's one of the reasons I mentioned the big fields. Like, yeah, you'll drive past every other field and it may have two or three deer in it. Like, okay, whatever. But it seems like it's the one with 60. Like, that's where the big ones are. And Mm -hmm. they seem to be tolerating each other pretty well that time of year, too. You know, um, I I got good video the last winter that I lived in Wisconsin of two just giants. And they're 30 yards apart eating in a field. (laughs) I stopped the car. They stopped and looked at me, you know, kept eating. Yeah. I messaged the guy, hey, man, can I turkey hunt your place? 
<laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm trying to get my foot in the door. And he's like, nah, man, I'm a big, I'm a big deer hunter. So, you know, I can't really have you out here turkey hunting. And I was like, all right, yeah, I understand that. You want to try to keep the peace. Like, but if you're a big deer hunter, then you need to know, like, there were two giants out in your field the other day, you know, like, yeah. I, and I, I laid <laughs> eyes on him and he was just like, yeah, man, I, I know they're out there. Like, can't wait for next gun season. Oh no. The dude's not a bow hunter. He's not a bow hunter. He's got a field that is lined with these tall, bigger, like conifer trees, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's on the road and there are gaps in the conifers in a couple spots where you can like go in where I could like glass the field, you know, these bucks are within 15, 20 yards of hangable trees, like trees he could get into with a tree stand. Mm -hmm. And he's not a bow hunter. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> dude, Man. I'm telling you, I just saw, you know, 240 plus inch deer in your field. Go buy a crossbow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't care what you do. Like go, go buy something, but get out there. Um, so anyway, that all of that seems to be, you know, what goes into it. Evenings are big, you know, concentrations of deer are big. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And we can get into the scouting part too, if you want to get into that here in just a minute, but yeah, um, was, that was a perfect segue right there. Cause I was just about to ask when you are setting up on these fields, obviously it's, you know, if it's one thing if you're somebody who's on private land, you've got a nice, you know, big blind um, that you can, or, you know, a redneck or some sort of a tower blind that you can set out in the middle of the field or, you know, near the field edge um, that you can slip in there at, you know, one o'clock, turn on the, turn on the little propane heater. Turn on the Mr. Buddy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, wait them out. But for, for those who are, you know, maybe rocking a mobile setup or, um, you know, going to, you know, well, let's focus on the mobile setup right now. Yeah. For folks who are, if somebody's hunting public land or, um, you know, just capable of moving a tree stand. What's your thought on setup there? Are you hunting the field edge? Are you trying to scout to figure out where they're entering? Are you trying to set back off the field edge? What's, uh, yeah. So what's your thought there? I'll be honest with you. Number one, uh, I don't, I don't want to hunt a lot in the late season. Uh, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to spend a lot of afternoons out there just sitting and hoping. So, sure. you know, crucial would be riding the roads quite a bit, trying to figure out, okay, do we have daylight movement? Follow that up with phone calls to private landowners. And I'm not going to crap on public land too much, but public land in the late season in Southern Wisconsin, where I hunt sucks. Um, the deer are not, <laughs> they're not on it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like they're just not, they're not on it this time of year. They've moved closer to food, which, you know, a lot of our public lands don't have any food on them as far as ag fields. And they've got, just, they've just gotten busted out by pressure. And right. a lot of the wetland stuff that I like to be in, <clears throat> you know, if you've got pockets of red osier dogwood and some other things still standing, maybe they're bedding there. But honestly, a lot of that grass and stuff is knocked down. And so there's just not a ton of standing cover. So they're right. almost always pushed what feels like to the edges, right? And those edges are just typically where the property boundary is, you know, so they're, mm -hmm. you know, property edges. So I'm going to get in and I'm going to do a lot of boots on the ground. If I can get a fresh snow that's like you were talking about just a second ago, two or three inches enough to really see some very recent signs some recent tracks, try to figure out what the deer are doing. Uh, my very first year there in Wisconsin, I went into all my honey holes where I had had success during the rut in November. And I mean, I had laid eyes on some giants, right? Like that first November there. And it was about two weeks before I was able to get out again. It was really snowy. This is after laying eyes on giants, or I guess after gun season. And by the time I was out there, there was a lot of snow on the ground, so I could see there had not been a deer sneeze in that area. Like, really? there were no tracks. There was huh. nothing. They had all up and moved. And so um, that's pretty critical, finding where the deer are this time of year. So lots of evening drives to look at those ag fields, lots of phone calls to landowners because the no's that you got early in the season might turn into yeses, and they have for me. They might turn into yeses. Hey, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Bill, um, I know you said I couldn't uh, deer hunt your ground earlier. You said you had a group of guys out there deer hunting. I'm wondering now that gun season has passed, 
which is what 90% of the people really care about. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering now that gun season has passed, if I can get in a couple of late season hunts. And they're thinking, are you really going to get out there? It's friggin' 12 degrees. You know, right. are you, are you, how often is this guy really going to do, are you really going to trudge through the snow? Like all of these things add up to, I think, making it easier to get permission for that late season hunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had several instances of this, of, of no's that turned into yeses. Um, and you know, these are, these are properties either. Maybe I, uh, maybe I had turkey permission, but not deer permission or whatever. Their buddies right. that they were letting hunt got done. They hunted the rut with a bow and they're done. Or they hunted a gun or with, with guns as a, uh, as a deer camp or whatever. And now that crew is done. Well, you can get in there with a gun now and just, just present it like that or with a bow now, like just present it. Hey, you know, you got anybody late season hunting? Just curious. And it's like, well, no, nobody's out there doing that. You're dumb if you want to. It's like, oh, do you mind if I give it a shot? Mm-hmm. You know, and start trying to find some of those private pieces where, where the food is actually going to be. Um, sure. So lots of driving around, finding those spots. And yeah, I'm going to sit a lot of field edges. Um, gotcha. And a lot of that's because you just can't get in <laughs> quiet, man. Like right. there are so many times that you're just, <clears throat> you're just going to blow it out. And where you find the deer bedded, you're going to find a lot of deer bedded. And so to me, the risk is too great. I would rather, I would rather sit back, wait for a good weather day, you know, find where 40 deer are hitting a field in an afternoon, go out, hunt that field that afternoon or the following afternoon or whatever, and try to set up like that rather than go tromping through the woods and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play the bed to feed game. It's like that's a right. that's a hard one to play this time of year. It really yeah. is. Yeah, totally. So on the, on the you mentioned weather there. On that note, what do you classify as good late season weather? Are we still looking for a cold front to, you know, a big temp drop to push deer onto food? Um if it's warmer, are you maybe going to stay out of there? What's so, your thought there? <clears throat> my preference, honestly, has been um, to say either or, any change. Okay. So if it's been warm and you get a cold day, like maybe that day of the like heavy snow or like the cold just moved in, that first evening I'm probably going to drive in glass, right? Sure. The second day I'm probably going to get out there and make a move because I think you got um, – you know, two, three afternoons that are going to be mm-hmm. good after that. And I really like to hunt those sunny bluebird days. And I know a lot of guys don't yeah. like those in the late season, but dude, it seems like I get a, I, I've seen a lot of, I, I have yet to kill a big Wisconsin late season buck, but yeah. it sure seems like those are the days that I see them. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like there, those are the days that I saw them at a hundred and couldn't get a shot or yeah. whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you've got cold, 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 cold. <clears throat> All of a sudden, you got a day, the high got up to 35. Like, to me, that's a good day to be out in the woods. I don't know if they're just feeling a little bit frisky or what it is, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's a lot of movement, it seems. But if you, and we've talked about it all season, if you've got that long stretch of stagnant weather, the high is, you know, 22 for seven days in a row, and the low is 14 for seven days in a row, it's like, I'm probably not, I'm probably not doing anything. I may right. be out, I may be out driving to scout, you know, with the kids mm-hmm. or whatever, grab some hot chocolate, throw them in the back seat, and let's all go for a ride, pass around the binoculars. Sure. Um, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be sitting unless I find good intel um, to, to go on. Gotcha. Absolutely. I think one you may have even left off there is right at the start of a little snowfall. Right. In in my back, man, back in the heyday when the old Wisconsin holiday hunt was not antlerless only. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was, I mean, I had some of the best hunts of my entire life. Right. That last couple weeks of December there. Um, You know, right. I remember there was one Christmas Eve. I'm sorry, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. Um, and man, the snow had started falling at like two thirty, three o'clock or so. And, you know, at that time of year, it gets dark at four. And so right. Was, right. Like, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to you know get set up and all that stuff. And 
I remember looking down into the bottom and just seeing this tank, like just freaking Coke cans for bases, walking up this gully. And I uh, couldn't get a crack at him or anything like that. Uh, but man, it was just like the, the seeing that deer through the scope with all that snow kind of just, you know, flashing in front of everything. It was like, this is freaking like deer hunting at its core. Like yeah. this just feels right. Just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast is brought to you by Tacticam, makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that is a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions, you know just how frustrating it can be to try to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of mounts and adapters. This fall, I'm going to be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with the 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com, and share your hunt with Tacticam. First of all, it blows my mind that there was a time when the holiday hunt was not antlerless only. Like, Dude, it was awesome. That to me, a <laughs> high-powered rifle in late in the late season in the Midwest blows my mind. Like people talk about the the South and oh, you can hunt the rut with a gun. That blows my mind. I'm like, no, no, mm-hmm. no. You get to hunt when it's zero degrees outside with a gun in some places. Uh, yeah, you know, with muzzle loaders that shoot 250 yards. So that to me blows my mind because every buck mm-hmm. in the world is going to be up on his feet because he's got to be or he's going to die. You know, right? Um. But Granted, that was shoot. That was probably that was right around Erdebuck time. Still, right. Like so that was back in that time. When that was, dude. I remember being in like elementary school and driving around on back roads to basketball practice and stuff in the evening. And dude, you'd have a full moon night or something like that, and you'd look out. I think there was one night we literally counted like a hundred and thirty deer out in like one geez. concentrated. Like, yeah. I mean, not like a massive cornfield, but like it was like big enough. But dude, just every freaking deer in that valley. And I was like, okay, we have a lot of deer around here. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> dude. Okay. First of all, we need to do an episode on Ernabuck. Oh, yes. We need to, we need to do one yep. on that. But um, we're going to bring Doug back. So, yeah, for sure, dude. He He's passionate about it. Um, are you, when you say the snow, you know, getting that snow starting, are you talking mm-hmm. about, any kind of snow starting? Or are you talking like I'm on the front side of a big front coming through? I like any kind of snow. Okay. I, yeah. I think any precipitation tends to get, them up. get things. Yeah. Get yeah. things going. Now, yeah. granted, I might be a little biased because my grandpa told me that, uh, you know, since I was a little kid about how like you got to be hunting when there's, when the snow starts to fall and like get yeah. out there right as it's about to start. I mean, it's like similar to like waiting for the rain to stop. Right. Um, yeah. You know, in early season and stuff yep. like that, you know, just time it up that way. Cause I mean, snow, you know, with the exception, at least snow, you got to worry about your blood trail being covered, but not washed away. Right. right? And so I think, right. you know, especially if you're rifle hunting or, you know, if you're late season or, you know, what have you at, at the very least, as long as it's not like you're going to get, you know, three inches in the next hour and it's going to totally cover everything. Okay. Maybe stay out of the woods then. Cause that just gets a little dicey at that point right. or be dang sure of your shot. Right. Um, right. But I mean, for the most part, if you're only getting an inch or so, or if it's just going to be a little snow shower, I've seen that kick deer up and get them on their feet yeah. um, to go out and feed. Like, I mean, more often than not, you'll find them somewhere, yeah. like on the hoof. Yeah, and I think if you've got a spot scouted out, that's a good that's a good move. Mm-hmm. Or like, because those are the days that I'm gonna be like, oh, it's starting to snow. Kids get in the car. You know what I mean? Right. Just just because for me it was so. So I've got what seven or eight different properties that I can turkey hunt in my area, mm-hmm. and so any given week, it's like which one's got the deer on it. Like, who right. knows? You know, there <clears throat> there may be one or two that you know, have deer on them for most of the season, but then the next late season, they're not on that one at all. And so it just, it seems like a weird, like, I don't know. I always feel like I'm starting from, from scratch. You know, if I haven't hunted in a week, 
and I'm starting mm-hmm. to get some snow, I'm not going out there just to sit yet because I want right. I want that confirmation. But if it does start to snow, and be like, hey, all right, everybody in the car, let's go, you know, let's go through the Culver's drive-through, and <laughs> we're gonna eat dinner in the car tonight, you know, and, and go check this out as the snow is starting to fall. So yeah, that's a, like that's it. a really good point. That's a really really good point. But those aren't the days that I like to hunt though. Because I always feel like if you get a, if you are out there that first night of the snowfall, you got deer in the field, mark that sucker, come back the next day when the weather's nice, you know, and it's, and it's a little more comfortable. That's when I've got Intel and I'm more comfortable Mm -hmm. Then I, then I kind of go for it. Now, does that always pan out? No, absolutely not. Another thing that I will say has been, uh, pretty successful. So there's one property that I've hunted, right? And there is a plant, uh, it's on the edge of a marsh, and there's a plant, it's not duck potato or arrowhead leaf or whatever, you know, hunting public guys have, have talked about. But there's a plant that is green that once it starts to snow, and it's growing right on the edge of this marsh on this private piece, I have no idea what it is because the time by the time I, I see it, it just looks like dead celery laying everywhere. You know, it's all flopped over and stuff. It's not quite as thick yeah. as celery, but it is stemmy kind of like that. Does it have a big leaf on it? A little bit bigger, yeah, a little bit bigger leaf mm-hmm. on it. But by the like, by the time I see it, it's just kind of like dead and mashed down everywhere. Mm-hmm. But dude, I've seen the deer standing at it like a feed trough, like all around really? it in the late season. And I've had a lot of luck with that on you know that really concentrating the deer movement. So you look at again. So on this one side of this ag of this field or of this property that I can hunt, it's like a seventy acre ag field right up against the marsh there's this little strip of this stuff that's like 30 yards long by 20 yards deep you know so 60 Mm -hmm. square yards that concentrates the deer like crazy and they move back and forth they'll move up into the ag and then they'll come back over to this and then they'll you know kind of all around really yeah so that to me you know you find something green like that that they're keying in on that time of year that can be really really good sure i have no idea what that plant is either I'd love right. to I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I, like, I, I think I can picture it, but I'm also like, I have no clue what that is. Okay. So like, you, you, did you see that stuff like in, in the fall or like early season or anything like that? And it, it almost seems invisible at that yeah. point, but I don't know if it's cause this is still green in the midst of all this other dead stuff or what's going on. Right. And but, it's like, yeah, nothing no, has no, touched but, it, but it's right. It, but I've seen it like dug up almost. You know, by mm-hmm. the deer, like they've pawed away the snow. They're trying to get to it. Um, so I don't know why it's holding green mm-hmm. when nothing else is and why it's still there. So if you're listening to this and you know what I'm talking about, it's not duck potato. I know what that stuff looks like. It's not arrowhead plant or whatever that stuff is the hunting public talks about. It's not that. I know what that looks like. I've found it in other places. This is something different. It looks kind of like celery stalks with bigger leaves at the top. Yeah. If you know what it is, hit us up with a dm on uh on instagram at the wisconsin sportsman pod right absolutely sweet. sweet absolutely um let me let me ask you here about buck betting in yeah. the late season yeah are you still noticing bucks betting separately are they still going out to those same kind of isolated points or do you notice them hanging out with the herd quite a bit more i'll be honest with you man from what i have seen uh, and it could just be the way that I scout. So I want to preface it with that. It could be the way that I scout. It seems to me like the bucks are starting to hang with the herd a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're just trying to keep a tab on the does, like just in case any of you jokers come into heat, I'm here, you know, right. or right. or what it is. But I have not noticed a return to like that secluded buck bed where it's like, you know, he's the only one that pops out of that end of the field and all the other deer came from over here. It sure seems to be like, okay, all 40 of them came out and the buck was like five minutes behind them all right? from the same direction. Mm -hmm. So now that's not to say I haven't found late season buck beds because I have, yeah, but I haven't targeted them. If that makes sense. Like if, you know, and, and, um, the majority of what I would think of is like, okay, because there doesn't seem to be a ton of rubbing going on either, so I don't find a lot. You know, you find those concentrations of like twenty beds in a late season bedding area kind of thing. You find one that's just gigantic, 
there's no rubs around it or anything, but it's like that had to be a buck, right? Like that's a 250, 300 pound deer laying in this thing. And so, um, yeah. And I know there, I'm almost hesitant to say what my experience has been because so, so much of the knowledge out there is that, oh man, bucks just off by themselves. They're grumpy old men. And in a lot of cases they are early season, but it seems like mm-hmm. late season they've mellowed out. Like right. it seems like they're, they're the most tolerant of social pressure mm-hmm. of any time of the year. And I think that's out of necessity during the summer. I think you see them tolerant of each other, but I don't think you see them tolerant of large doe herds. Right. In the rut, they're not tolerant of each other at all. They're only around the does for one thing. Late season, they're tolerant of each other, and they'll be standing right in the middle of 25 does. Right. Feeding. So yeah. it, it seems like right now is the, is the time for that. I'll probably get the the buck bed beast mode guys being like, no, that's not how bucks act. It's like, all right, cool, man. Have fun with whatever you're doing out there. But <laughs> I'm just telling you where I see deer. Come on and tell us about it. Well, and yeah, come <laughs> on and tell us about it. Please do. Because like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not a late season expert. I'm just telling you what I learned because dude, I threw my eggs in that basket. Like I struggled my first couple of years in Wisconsin to get a deer on the ground. And mm-hmm. so <clears throat> and I wanted to hunt late season so bad because I grew up watching it. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to be out there in the snow. Like I wanted to be a Wisconsinite right. uh, and like do the whole thing. <laughs> uh, and so like, you know, I was starting from scratch. Like this is ground zero. I got to figure it out for myself. Um, one thing I will say though, I learned very quickly. I was out one day, I think it was like negative four and mm-hmm. doe comes out. She, she walks through the ag field all the way down the edge to the spot of that green stuff that I was just telling you about, starts feeding. I draw my bow back. This is going to work perfectly. I'm three feet off the ground in my saddle, right? This is crazy, mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Um, draw my bow back, and dude, the noises that my gear made. At negative <laughs> I was degrees. just about to say, negative four sounds like the worst time in the world to pull back your bow. Dude, it, and this was when I just got it, too. So this bow was, like, brand spanking new, right? Right. Like, just set up for me and I draw back and it's like (laughs) and it's a Matthews you know this is not like a junk bow that I'm expecting to make these noises um but it's like you could just feel it you could just feel in the bow itself it's just like no I don't want to do this you know yeah um so I drew back and I whiffed missed missed oh that so you didn't spook the doe with the with all that noise no no she was so um, I, I also, this, yeah, this was, I shot right under, I didn't range her. I should have ranged her. I didn't mm-hmm. ended up shooting right under, her. I was about 40 yards from her. Um, so that's a poke. Yeah. So it's a poke and, and, <laughs> and you got to figure out what I was wearing too. So I wasn't wearing Huntworth at the time. And so mm-hmm. I had like the layers of yeah. Goodwill gear. Right. Yeah. And it was just, it was not good. It was not good. I was I was dead on left to right, and it just whoop, right behind yeah. her legs, or you know, right behind her front legs, you know, kind of between her front and her back legs. Yeah. Would have been would have been a great shot if it was about four inches higher. Yeah, but yeah, it's not a bad miss though. No, it's not. not. It, I was like, okay, that would have been a heart shot. Like I was just just off of a heart shot. Right. Do you have but, to go digging for your arrow in the snow? Uh, no. Actually, because I was like three feet off the ground, right? And she was 40 yards away. So my trajectory was like super nice. So it it was just kind of like, you know, kind of skipping almost across the top of this kind of harder packed snow. So like, no, it was like right there, you know, it was very (laughs) convenient, (laughs) weirdly convenient. But, um, yeah, so I missed her and, and that was a, that was a real boner, but, uh, yeah. You live and you learn. Yeah. I feel like that's what, the story of my hunting life, man. Live and learn. <laughs> like I'm, I'm ready to have learned, right? Like I'm ready right. to have learned right. and like start I feel capitalizing. Like I've learned a lot. Yeah. What the heck? Like, yeah. <laughs> At what point can I put this in the into action? <laughs> do you ever see? Um, do you, Do you ever see deer eating? Like say, like the last couple of winters, you know, it's been cold, but I, I feel like in December it's been, you know, maybe we've had a little bit of snow, but then it melts off, and then it kind of comes back. Um, are, are you ever seeing deer 
still eating like acorns or anything like that. Cause like this year with such a massive acorn crop, like there, there's no way that they've eaten all of them. You know what I mean? So is it, um, you know, the kind of thing you think that they'll still be non on some of them, or I don't know if acorns spoil or how quickly they do or what exactly goes into that. But yeah, I'll be honest with you in the North. I have not. Okay. I have not in the North. Um, now down South, I see that quite a bit. I see deer returning to, um, earlier dropped red oaks. Um, typically your white oaks, I don't really see that simply because I, th- I think they're, they're basically rotting or, you know, sure. sprouting or something like that. By then they're, yeah. they're gone. Right. Uh, the red oaks though. And I think this is like, from what I've read, it's because they have higher tannin levels mm-hmm. and those higher tannin levels help them keep for longer. And okay. so, um, you know, there's some there's some thought behind it too of like, well, that's maybe one of the reasons that deer prefer the white oak acorns is because they know they can scoop them up. The red oaks, you know, they've adapted to understand or it, you know, when however a deer understands things, they can leave the red oaks for a while and the right. red oaks will still be there. We see sure. that a lot in the south where the deer will kind huh. of return to to some of those red oaks. Interesting. Um, kind of dropped and are still, you know, still out there. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I love when you like make a connection like that and you see that, you know, certain animals or deer, like they, when you, when you're able to see like that, Oh, they, they realize that like, I don't have to eat this right now. I'm going to eat the good, you know, sweet, sugary white oak acorns right off the bat because one, they taste better and two, they're going to go bad. And then I'll have those, you know, I feel like it's like the red acorns are like the stale, crusty old, beat up protein bar you've got in the bottom of your hunting pack that you know you don't break out till late season yeah. either when you're like god do i have anything left in here but yeah you don't want to eat it but you will you know exactly. what i mean like and that's, exactly that's probably kind of how they are it's like they don't want to eat it but they will you know exactly but, but again i, like I, I, I want to reiterate though just in case somebody has, has had an opposite experience i have not seen that in wisconsin mm-hmm. i have seen that here in the south so I would, yeah, it stands to reason that they would do the same thing. Right. Right. One would think folks listening, if you're a, a late season warrior or, you know, somebody who is, please reach out to us. We would love to pick their brain as well as, Dude, uh, you know, just bounce some thoughts and ideas off of them. I've said that every year that I've hosted <laughs> this podcast. No one that I know of is like, yeah, dude, late season's my time. Unless, right. unless, unless they're the late season guy that has the food plot that has the st- you know, the, sure. I don't know of anybody who's like, yeah, man, I'm out there grinding on public and I'm getting it done late season in Wisconsin. Like those, those guys just aren't, they're either not a lot of them out there or mm-hmm. they're, they don't want to talk about it. I think it's probably the latter. They don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my thought, but I don't know who knows though. Cause it's, you know, we do have, I mean, the orange army is the whatever largest militia in the world every single year. And then after that hunting pressure just kind of fizzles right out. I mean, leading yeah. into it as well, you know, you got the diehard bow hunters, diehard gun hunters, and then nobody talks about the late season guys. Right. So right. I will say this. I think there's an opportunity here and, and I'm going to have to run here pretty quick. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity here. If you don't have a muzzleloader, if you will hunt that 10-day muzzleloader season in Wisconsin, you've got some real chance of getting on some good deer because yeah. the season drops off big time. And I sent a guy a couple years ago to to a spot, and I was like, look, man, here's where I had luck during the rut. Like, you know, go go check it out. He goes in there with his muzzleloader, climbs a tree, high stem count area. Um, and it's an area that it's one of the exact areas that turned off for the quote unquote late season. Like once the snow right. really got on the ground, <clears throat> but he got on there like the second day of muzzleloader or third day of muzzleloader. So the area had gotten hit real hard for gun season. He gets mm-hmm. in there with a the muzzleloader. He climbs a tree. He's there for 30 minutes. Big buck steps out. He shoots and misses with the muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. He, went, he wasn't sure of the shot. Smoke went everywhere, blah, blah, blah. But, I think you've got a good chance, man. I, there's like that little tick before true late season kicks in. Yeah. It's muzzleloader season. 
they've had a couple of days to like reorient and figure out, okay, people aren't out here like they were. Mm-hmm. And then I think you got that little bump of, of movement. Yeah. So anyway, I agree, man. You got totally. a muzzleloader, get out there. Yeah. <laughs> if you got a bow too, get out there. Yeah. If you got a I bow, got get a, out there. A buddy of mine, he hunter, his dad shot a buck. I think it was like the last day of gun season shot or smoked a buck. Um, yeah, really nice buck, but he didn't have his uh, uh, his bow tag with him or anything. And so he got out there, filled a rifle tag, and then was like, I'm going to run home and grab my bow. Went back the next day, sat in the same stand, ended up filling his bow tag as well. Did so he really? It can be done. Dude, that's such <laughs> a flex, filling your bow tag in the during gun season. Dude, that's these guys have <laughs> stupid deer on their property, too. That's the one caveat. But <laughs> yeah, That's all right. That's all right. So, uh, power to them. yeah, Pierce, last thing I want to talk about, man, I, uh, we just had black Friday. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Did, did you, uh, <laughs> did you do anything? For, did you get anything for black Friday? Um, shot a couple ducks. Okay. But no, I did not no uh, purchase. I didn't get it. Dude. I came so close. My girlfriend sent me a screenshot of the Cabela's website of a rifle. I was looking at, she said, Hey, this is on sale. Could be a good time to jump on it. And I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought about it. And around 8 p.m. after chewing on it and going back and forth between the two, I was like, all right, before I pull the trigger on this, what expenses do I have coming up here just so Ah. I can be responsible? And then I was like, oh, how about everyone else's presents for Christmas? So I held off, unfortunately, and uh, I didn't do anything. But yeah, what about you? Because I happened to get a text from you with a <sighs> screenshot of a uh, order confirmation while I was in the duck marsh. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Little toy. Did you get some ducks, by the way? Yeah, we got two. OK. All right. Yeah. Slow day. But um, yeah, dude, I broke down and I bought an e-bike. Mary. Merry Christmas to me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I got it. So it's going to be in large part for, for doing habitat consulting. Um, you know, I'm working with Whitetail Partners. Uh, Sam Billhorn it does Whitetail Partners Wisconsin. Uh, but if you're listening, we have team members that cover basically the entire eastern half of the United States at this point. Um, we're broken up by state, but we cover regions. And I am Whitetail Partners Georgia. And, you know, we're on a lot of properties every single year, and I've got to make the most efficient use of my time when I'm there. Um, you know, a lot of it works by, hey, you know, Mr. Landowner, I'm going to spend this many days on your property. And I don't want to spend a ton of time just walking. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that, that is money. That is cost to the landowner if I'm just walking. So I wanted a way to serve our clients better. I also wanted a way to hunt this big private piece or this big public land piece down the road from me better. And I found a deal for $800 off on black Friday of this e-bike. And it was a lower end e-bike. You know, it's not a quiet cat. It's not a Rambo. You know what? All you guys with the Rambos and the quiet cats and all that stuff, like those are great looking bikes, but I'm not that guy. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to drop five or six grand on an e-bike. It's just not going to happen. And I've driven, uh, some equivalent e-bikes and they're very, very nice. But I look forward to being able to give people a report here in a couple of weeks. The e-bike should be here Wednesday. So oh boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully by next week I can give a report and say, you know, this is what I think of it. Cause I spent a thousand bucks. The bike was on sale for nine ninety nine. It's normally seventeen ninety nine. So I'm looking forward to being able to bring to the listener and say, Hey guys, don't worry about, you know, a $6,000 e-bike because these are just as good. And I, I will tell you this. I've seen the back end pricing on e-bikes. Mm-hmm. I know a buddy who has started an e-bike company. His are a little too high end for me. Um, but he can create for about three grand retail, 3,500 retail, mm-hmm. and 3,800 retail. He can create what Rambo does for 8,000. So like, I know the markup on those is stupid. I know those people have to do marketing too. Like I get it. Yeah. At the same time, I sure would love nothing better than to say, Hey, everybody, a thousand dollar e-bike works just as good as the others. Go get it. You know, like that would bring me so much joy at this point. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just. Dude, I'm pumped. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not gonna say I'm as pumped as you are to, you know, for you to get that thing. But dude, I'm pumped to hear the report on that. Yeah. Because uh, that thing's gonna be a freaking weapon on public land as well, especially that giant tract that you have near you down in Georgia. Dude. Not to mention, are you gonna bring that thing up to Wisconsin? So Wisconsin that would cut the. I don't know if you can ride a bike. You can't. Wisconsin oh. public lands are not friendly to e-bikes. Iowa public lands are, though. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, especially a couple that are not terribly far from mm-hmm. somebody that we know. Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, I had some guys during turkey season who were blowing past me on e-bikes. Really? Having a frigging great time doing it. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> um, Yeah. I, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. The e-bike for turkey season is going to be clutch. That's going to be wild. That's going to be insane, dude. Like, I don't even, I don't even know where to start with that. But, uh, yeah, Pierce. You need to figure out some sort of a mod to, like, rig up a game cart to the back of it so that you can try and oh, get a deer out of there as well. You don't have to rig anything up. They make them. Oh, really? Yeah. They make them. Oh. They're pre-made. They're they're 225 bucks. You for the to, trailer, uh, drop the company name link and uh, whatnot. I will. <laughs> so I the 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 company that makes the trailers is a different company than than makes the bike. So I, once once I get the bike, once things are good, I will let people know the name. Um, I found them on Instagram. The process has been good so far. They're American based which is good. Yeah. They've got everywhere. Like problem, call our customer service number. You'll get a human being who's based in Texas, you know? Mm-hmm. So like for me, that's a, that's a big deal. Like the fact that you right. put your customer service telephone number everywhere and you're like, call us for anything. Have a question about mm-hmm. which bike, call us, you know? And so um, anyway, yeah, man, I look forward to reporting, but we got to wrap it up. I've got another, uh, I got a little call here for Whitetail Partners. Got one of our team yeah. members I'm going to be chatting with. But Pierce, thanks for the, thanks for the conversation surrounding, um, surrounding late season. Do we want to send people to Revo? I think we ought to. Yeah, I think we, we ought to. Deal I think we should too. Still got, yeah, still got a Black Friday deal going. I think for the next couple of days here, okay. um, but you can get up to seventy percent off over at Revo Sunglasses. Revo.com. Um, we've talked about them multiple times on here. Uh, if the sale does end and you're creeping up on the holiday season and you weren't able to jump on that deal, you can still get 30% off with the code Wisconsin sportsman 30. Um, like we've said, these lenses frames can go up against any other big sunglass company out there. Any, any of the other ones that you're you maybe worn or your buddies have, or you've seen the ads for Rebo. I would probably pick them over those guys nine times out of 10. They are fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, like we said before, they got a frame and a lens for just about everything. So go check them out. Use code Wisconsin sportsman 30. Uh, if you're late to the black Friday sale and uh, yeah, go enjoy them. Sweet. So uh, yeah, Christmas is coming. Check out Revo. Also check out our other partners, Huntworth, uh, Onyx. Obviously, Huntworth is an or Onyx is an awesome gift to give. And then uh, obviously we got Tacticam. If you like somebody, yeah. get them a six If you like them, okay, but not that much, get them the uh, get them the uh, the Solo Extreme. You know, save yeah. save a little Absolutely. bit of money and uh, still. I think all lives. of them have good deals running right now too. They do. Yeah, they pretty much all have. They all have good deals going on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Huntworth, I know, had some crazy deals going on. And it, and if you are yes. going to be hunting late season, go check out their uh, heat boost technology. Their graphene infused clothing. It's super, super warm. So, um, yeah. And for me, the Net Gator, dude, has been a game changer. You said dude, you, neck gaiters are unreal. Yeah. We, like, is that not the most slept on? Oh, dude. Like, just warmth gear out there? I, I just left it on for the entire rest of my trip after we yeah. talked about it. I just left it on all the time. You yeah. Know? And it was, I would layer accordingly with other stuff, but the gator stayed on. Did you have the thick one on, or did you just have a lightweight one? Thick. Thick. I went gotcha. thick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.